Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you, and then everyone else will believe you too. And if it looks like you're the only believer around, just keep on believing, don't put yourself Our guest this week grew up in Ferndale, Michigan, and earned a bachelor's degree in political science and government from the University of Detroit Mercy. From 1986 to 1990, he was the executive director of Freedom House. And from 93 to 2005, he was the Midwest director of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. Since being ordained a Jesuit priest in 2015, he's been the executive director of the Pope Francis Center, which provides vital services to individuals experiencing homelessness in Detroit. His name, Father Tim McCain. And I'm Jack Rasula. And this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Jack Prisula. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to Father Tim McCabe, the Executive Director of the Pope Francis Center, downtown Detroit. Father, welcome and honor to have you. Thank you, Jack. Can we start by you offering us a prayer as we begin Thanksgiving week, please. Absolutely. So let us pray. Lord, our God, we come to you with grateful hearts for the abundance of blessings that you have shown us in our lives. We are so grateful, especially for your son, Jesus, our Lord and our Redeemer. We ask you, Lord, at the season of Thanksgiving, to help us to truly have grateful hearts for all the blessings, all the blessings that you show us on a moment by moment basis. And Lord, we ask you especially to be with those who don't feel your blessings. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to help those who are less fortunate than us, especially those who are without homes or without families, without their basic human needs this day, Lord, help us to help them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Speaking of family, let's talk about your mom and your dad and your childhood, please. Okay. What would you like to know? Tell us about them. They were wonderful, wonderful people. I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood in Ferndale. Uh, my father was an electrician. My mom was stay at home. Um, they were uh, very strong Catholics and really gave me the, the basis of my uh, of my faith. And they, my mother was a woman that um, accepted life on life's terms and saw God in all of the things that the challenges, as well as the joys of her life. All right. Your first real job, Father, at age 18 was Freedom House. Tell That's us right. about Freedom House. Freedom House at that time was called the Detroit Windsor Refugee Coalition. And we were based out of St. Anne's Convent at the time. And we were helping refugees uh, from Central America who are fleeing the wars, primarily in uh, Guatemala and El Salvador, but also other parts of the country or world as well. We're seeing folks from Lebanon and Sri Lanka, and we were helping them resettle into Canada through the Detroit-Windsor border. So they would live with us at the convent and uh, while they were going through that legal resettlement process and going through their paperwork, and we would provide for their basic needs as they uh, prepared to uh, for their new life in Canada. You started a life of service to the poor at 18. How did you decide on life of service to the poor 
at such a young age, Father? Well, I think it started even before that, Jack. I I was uh, I was involved through a neighbor uh, with the, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So I started attending camp and being a camp attendant. And I found uh, that I felt most authentically the man God created me to be, even though I was a young man, or even an adolescent at the time. Um, but I felt like that uh, filled me in a way that gave me strength and joy. So I pursued ways in which I could uh, serve others. So the Refugee Coalition or Freedom House was one of those ways. I also worked at the Catholic Worker Soup Kitchen, worked as an inner city home repair. So I did a lot of things that, uh, and I just continued to feel like that's where God, where I found God. I found Jesus among those who are struggling. And that was where I felt like he was calling me to be with him and the people, my brothers and sisters in need. There's an angel in Detroit that for the last 40 plus years has been servicing the poor. You helped Father Tom Lumpkin years ago. Tell us about this Father Tom Lumpkin that nobody knows about. <laughs> wow, he, he is an incredible man. He was a, one of my mentors, a role model, and certainly one of the reasons why I became a priest. I mean, he lives, you know, he was involved in the Catholic Worker from the very beginning in Detroit uh, when Dorothy Day uh, met with the Murphys and brought the Catholic Worker Soup Kitchen. You know, he has spent his entire life uh, running that soup kitchen and living, you know, offering hospitality to homeless uh, folks in the, the Catholic Worker Day House community. So he's an amazing man. He's a humble man. Um, he, he really is a living saint. Uh, 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 just can't say enough good things about him. He's just really, really good man. If you had ever had a chance to meet him, you would, you you were a better person because you had an opportunity to know him. Another thing that he's done for forty plus years is he said mass every Sunday in the Wayne County Jail for women. Mm. So great man, great man. All right, tell us about your daughter Mary, who was born on March fourteenth, nineteen eighty six. 35, 35 and a half years ago. Yeah, she she is another amazing person. So I obviously I have a daughter, which is something unusual for priests, um, but I raised her before I entered the Jesuits. Uh, we've always had an incredibly close relationship. She's an amazing woman um, who I'm blessed to be able to call my daughter. She's a, by training right now, she's an international human rights lawyer. Um, and when she was uh, uh, back from law school and, and working on a, a legal clinic, international law clinic, she was working in a restaurant waiting for some applications. And so I invited her to come over to the Pope Francis Center and help me. And so we worked together for five years there. And, and now she has decided she wants to do trauma therapy. So she's in school again, racking up a degree like a Jesuit <laughs> and uh, becoming a trauma therapist to help people. We're talking to Father Tim McCabe, and from 1993 to 2005, he was Midwest Director of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. When we come back, we're going to ask him about that group. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to Anything is possible. I'm Jack Rasula with Father Tim McCabe, 
And Father, from 1993 to 2005, you're the Midwest Director of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. What do they do? Jack, they are a, a, a national organization that recruits college graduates um, to come and live uh, in community with other volunteers, to live, to work on their spirituality, to live a simple lifestyle, and to work for justice. So those kind of the four pillars of the organization. And when I was, we talked in the last segment about uh, my work at Freedom House, and I was lucky enough to have a Jesuit volunteer working with us there. And they are just, they're just, a, they're just a joy to work with. They're, they're young, energetic, idealistic folks that are in their early twenties and they're, they're just ready to set the world on fire. So the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, uh, their motto is ruined for life. That once you do a year of service with the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, you'll be ruined. You will ever see the world the same way. And you'll always be focused on caring for others. So in Detroit, they work with existing nonprofits that work with um, with homeless. They work with people who are um, in need of housing. They do education. They teach in schools like Crystal Ray. Um, what else? They do work with alternatives for girls. They do all kinds of really important work. And they so they're supporting the nonprofits that are doing the good work while they're working on their own spirituality, coming to know the Lord in a very uh, particular way of working and serving the Lord in this particular way and living in community with other volunteers um, and, you know, kind of living simply. So they don't make an income. They just, they get a stipend and that covers their food and their housing and transportation, but that's, it's, there's nothing gained financially. They learn to live simply like the people that are on the margins live. And Tim, that's where we, you and I first met because of Larry and Sandy Mackle. That's right. That's right. That's where we met. We were both young back then. <laughs> yeah. My hair was a different color, that's for sure. <laughs> and I had hair. So, okay. Uh, 2015. You're 52 years old at the time. 42. A young, a young 42. And you decide that you want to become, and you become a Jesuit priest. Why? Why? So at, during those years of running the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, I got to know the Jesuits really well. I got to know their spirituality and their their mission in the world. And I they set me on fire. And you know, they, you know, their spirituality became my spirituality. It's how I prayed, it was how I understood the world. And so there was a natural drawing in the work that I've done, the life I had led towards them. So at that point, my daughter was um, already independent from me. She was away at college and kind of uh, living on her own. And, and so there was this window where I was still young enough and she was old enough that um, this could actually happen. So I, I crossed the parking lot where our office was into the Jesuit province office and said, I want to give this a whirl. And they, they said, let's make that happen. So at 42, I entered uh, the Jesuits and the rest is history. All right. Tell us about the Jesuits. <laughs> wow, that's a big, how much time do we have on this show, Jack? We got a little time. So, you know, the Jesuits are known for being um, educators. They're known for being in the intellectuals of the church. Um, I certainly didn't help that bring that level down a little bit with my um, education, but they, um, 
you know, they, they are engaged in the world. They're, you know, we talk about ourselves as being contemplatives in action, that we are both uh, deeply rooted in prayer and in the Lord and also engaged in the world, that we bring those two things together, that their spirituality is one that says that God is in all things. And so we seek out and discern where God is in our lives, in our world, in every moment of our lives. And that's kind of one of the, the um, core tenets of our spirituality. We're, we're founded by St. Ignatius of Loyola, who developed the spiritual exercises, which is a, a, a way of entering into a relationship with the Lord in a very specific and intense way. Um, they are, those spiritual exercises are available for anyone in every station in life. Um, we do the exercises twice as Jesuits, first as a novice, it's a 30-day silent retreat. And then again, at, um, in our final year of formation, we, we do the 30-day silent retreat again. But you can do that retreat over a year uh, for lay people who can't take a, a month off of life to do that retreat like the Jesuits do. So it is... Um, it's a very, very intensive and beautiful way to come to know Jesus in a much more intimate and profound way and to, to, uh, to commit to, um, to living under the banner of Christ and, and doing what we can for Christ in the world. It was founded in 1540, 480 years ago by St. Ignatius of Loyola, and today... The Jesuits are the largest order of priests and brothers in the Roman Catholic Church. And tremendous what you guys are doing in education, grade school, high school, college, throughout America, throughout America. All right. June of 2015, you don't have a care in the world, and you become the executive director of the Pope Francis Center at 438 St. Antoine in Detroit. Tell us about the Pope Francis Center. So um, I was ordained in 2015. This was my first assignment. Um, they sent me back to my hometown. I was out in Berkeley doing my theology. So I came back here to do this. And, uh, you know, it, it, throughout my Jesuit life, and obviously we talked a little bit about my life before the Jesuits, you know, I, I have worked with marginalized people. So the, I had worked uh, in Chicago with um, the homeless. I had worked in um San Francisco with uh, people who are dying at a hospice with the missionaries of charity uh, who are on the margins as well. So there was a lot, I mean, I had a lot of experience and really they, the homeless were, um, they were my people. It were people who I feel most drawn to being with and working with. So when they told me that they were sending me to Detroit to work here, I was thrilled I'm at the city in the city that I love and doing a work that I loved. I felt like I was doubly blessed. So it was called the St. Peter and Paul Warming Center at the time that I arrived. And uh, when I was telling people that's where I was going as for my first assignment, people said, well, why do you need a, a warming center in August? And so I said, well, listen, we got to change the name to better uh, show what we do because we were doing laundry. We do showers. We do two meals a day. We have medical clinics and dental clinics. So uh, uh, Pope Francis was just at that time putting, I believe he was putting showers in the, the Vatican for the homeless and the people who are living in that area. So I said, who better that represents this love for the poor than Pope Francis? So we renamed it the Pope Francis Center, and I've been there ever since 2015. Been a blessing of my life. 
And you have between 170 and 200 guests per day, six days a week. As you said, you give them breakfast and lunch. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk further about his guests every day. And I'm Jack Prasula, and this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. This is Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Prasula. We're with Father Tim McCabe, the executive director of Pope Francis Center. If you want to learn more, www.popefrancischenter.org. Tim, the estimate is that there's about 1,700 chronic homeless people in downtown Detroit. Other than coming to your center, 200 of them, what do these people do all day? Well, their main uh, mission is to survive. So they do whatever they can to survive. You know, a lot of our folks that we see on a daily basis, and we're seeing upwards of 200 people now uh, in the last, we're seeing that number increasing over the last months. Um, you know, they, they, they live on the streets. They, some of them panhandle, some of them work uh, flagging parking lots. I mean, a lot of them are dealing with some severe trauma um, w- and uh, that kind of leading to mental illness and addiction issues, but they're they're surviving. They're they're um, that's what they do every day is survive. All right, we're talking to Father Tim McCain, who became a Jesuit priest at age fifty-two. Tim, if you would tell us about two of your guests. Two of our guests. Um, well. So hard to narrow that down. So we have, uh, I, I will tell you about Donald because we're about to do his funeral in the next couple of weeks. Donald um, was this one of the friendliest and most upbeat men. Uh, and I got to know him when I first arrived and he always, always had a, a warm greeting when he came in, you know, and, and you know, he would, Jackie would say to me when he come in, I'm like, how are you, Donald? He'd say, father, I'm blessed. And he would be coming in out of the rain and he would be wet and cold and shivering. And, but he would always, and he, he believed that he believed that he was blessed. He knew the source of his life and his, the gifts of his life were coming from God. So whatever he received in the world, whether it was, you know, sometimes hat and glove and scarves from us and a warm meal, he all, he saw that as a blessing from God that, um, that uh, and he was taken care of. He believed that God continued to take care of him. He was a wounded man. There was no question about that. You know there, that trauma, early childhood trauma in particular, was what led him to the streets and to the lifestyle that he lived. But he was a gentle, gentle soul, and um, he passed away. Uh, I would say about three months ago, and the. Um, the hospital called us because he had a, one of our cards in his pocket, but he had no other identification. And the um, the Wayne County uh, medical examiner uh, does a search when that happens for family members, and they were unable to locate any family for him. So we petitioned the courts, as we've done in the past, to bring uh, to take control of his body. And when we get that, we will offer him a funeral and burial service. We're very lucky because uh, Holy Sepulchre 
always offers us plots for to uh, bury the homeless and um, Beer Heiden and uh, uh, Lynch uh, funeral homes have always been very supportive. Beer Heiden in particular, Brian Joseph over there helps us with uh, caskets and whatever we need to uh, care for those who have no, no resources. You're so, right that Pat and Patty Lynch are notorious for quietly honoring homeless people when they die, treating them like special people. That's exactly right. All under the radar. So uh, a little shout out for Lynch and Son's Funeral Home. All right. We're embarking on Thanksgiving week. For most of us, family gets together. We eat like there's no tomorrow. Then we watch football. (laughs) And then the fight starts. The arguing starts when the bellies are full. But for a homeless person, Tim, What's Thanksgiving Day like for them? Well, um, for our guests, we are open on Thanksgiving Day so that they'll be able to come in. We'll have a ham and turkey, mashed potatoes and green beans. We try and give them a joyful holiday celebration. And for a while, the hours that we're open, it's a warm, loving place to be. For others, it's, you know, wandering streets and looking for food and looking for you know, resources and living without family or friends. It's a very isolated and and kind of a dark uh, existence uh, that those who don't have anywhere else to go. So that I would say that's where they will. I will see them. I'll walk with a, uh, I will be open in the morning of Thanksgiving. Then I'll, I'll go out and walk with the good fellows um, in the parade and um, I'll see some of them. I'll see some of our guests and some of our friends that are home or experiencing homelessness on the streets. And they're always so happy to see me in the parade and wave to me as they're watching. Father, where do you get your food and the money to run this Pope Francis center? Our center is completely run by donations. It is, uh, we are, you know, Jack, that Detroit is one of the most generous places in the world. And I have, we have never, ever had to struggle for food or for resources. I just continually ask people to be part of our mission and people are incredibly generous to us. I mean, from the corporate heads to, to the little widows with their, you know, $20 donations, you know, we, uh, we just really are blessed by just a community that wants to take care of those less fortunate than us. So it's all done publicly, we, or uh, privately, rather. We don't take any public, public money. If you want to learn more, www.popefrancisscenter.org. All right. Let's talk about a couple angels that have helped you. There's a man in town that comes regularly, does whatever, and he simply says, my name is Jim. <laughs> yes. Tell us about Jim. Jim Farley um, is the CEO of Ford Motor Company. And uh, I was very lucky to meet him uh, when I first started. And so when we met, he said, I want to come down and, and volunteer. So shortly thereafter, he came down and he's like, I don't want anybody to tell who I am. You know, I just want to come in and serve uh, like everyone else. And so um, nobody knew who, who he was, his station in life other than me. And then I, I turn around at one point and they've got him scrubbing the stove with a wire brush. And he 
looked like he couldn't be happier uh, to be doing that. But also the thing about Jim is, you know, he has had experience with people who struggle. Like he, he has experienced his own personal losses in his life. He has been a big brother to a, a young man out in LA when they lived out in that area. And he took care of his cousin, Chris Farley um, until his overdose. And so he, when we talk, when we're standing at the serving line and we're looking out at our guests, he understands the struggles that these guys are going through. He's a wonderful man. He's a very humble and good man to us. He is absolutely, Jack, one of our angels. My name is Jim. Um, all right. Can you highlight one other angel, please? So um, we, uh, I got a call in the middle of the pandemic. So we, when we were at the church, we moved, we had to, when the state got shut down because of the pandemic, we pivoted out to the parking lot and we had to stop having any volunteers. We just ran up by staff alone and we put up a circus tent and we served food out there and we put up, but we put up a shower trailer and we had, you know, laundry out there. We did everything out in the parking lot, to tr but we did, you know, we put Porter Johns and hand-washing stations, everything we could do to take care of them. But we, I promised our guests, the homeless folks that come to us that we would never leave no matter what we would stay with them and we'd take care of them. So I get this call uh, from this woman in California and she says, we found your website on the, uh, on the internet and we, see that you're taking care of people through COVID. So we'd like to help. What would, you, what do you need? I said, I need a shower trailer. And I need a laundry trailer because we're renting them right now. And they're costing me a fortune. She said, well, how much is it? I said, $110,000. She said, I'll call you right back. She calls me back and she said, we're going to give you $170,000 and cover all your expenses. And then she came, called me back a few hours later. And she said, we're going to give you an even 200,000. So the name of the foundation is the Julia Burke Foundation, and it was named after the daughter of Jerry and Marilyn Burke, who was killed in a car accident when she was 16. They set up this foundation, and then they have been incredibly generous. They have made enormous amount, uh, enormous gifts to our organization and to our future projects for helping the homeless. Father, the dark is getting darker, but the light is getting lighter. There's an awful lot of good people doing a lot of great things that don't get the publicity, don't want it. And that's what we got to keep doing. We're talking to Father Tim McCabe, and I'm Jack Prasula, and this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. Jack Krizula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. Anything. Possible.
I'm Jack Crisula. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to Father Tim McCabe. Father, you got a new project. It's a housing project. Tell us about it. Sure. So, you know, uh, what we do at the Pope Francis Center, we do really, really well. We treat people with dignity and respect. We take care of them. We try to meet the needs, try to make their suffering a little bit uh, less. But when I looked around, when I got there, I thought, you know what, we're, we're, what we do, we do well, but we're not making a difference. We're not changing their situations. So I said, I want to be transformational, not just transactional. So I went around the country and I looked at 22 different programs that are most effective in treating chronic homelessness. And I came back and I built the program around that. We decided we were going to build a building. It's going to be a place where people can come off of the streets who are chronically homeless and we can stabilize them. We can begin to address the trauma, the underlying trauma and the issues that they're causing the homelessness. And we're going to get them, maximize their human potential, bring them is close to the people that God meant them to be. And then we're going to help them get into permanent housing. So we we just got approved from city council on a purchase of property over at Warren and 996. We're going to have a groundbreaking on December 3rd. And we're going to go forward and 18 months from now, we're going to, we're going to end chronic homelessness in the city of Detroit. That's our and goal. We're going to have about 40 apartments as part of this. So that, if you that. want to learn more, www.popefrancescenter.com. All right. Your biggest day of the year is Christmas, as far as helping your guest. Um, if somebody wants to be involved, what can they do? How can they help at Christmas? Sure. So the best way to go about helping, if you would like to, is go to our website at www.popefrancescenter.org and sign up to volunteer. There's a way to sign up to volunteer. There's a calendar Sign up for the day that you want to volunteer. If that's Christmas Day or another day, there's, um, you know, we're obviously we give away backpacks that day as a Christmas present with hygiene products and warm clothing. Uh, we would welcome help with that, you know, or if you wanted to make a financial contribution to help us cover those costs, cost of the meal, we're open Christmas morning. We do a nice Christmas meal for folks to try to make their holiday uh, in this birth of our Lord, uh, a special day for all of them. Speaking of our Lord, Jesus had a preference for the poor. You know, he was ruthless on the educated phonies, but he had unbelievable love for the poor. Why? There was the poor and the suffering, the folks, because he had compassion. He had a I mean, he was he was the fullest revelation of God, and and God cares for the least among us. God cares for those who are suffering. I mean, God is Father, right? It's the parent. You know, who who among us wouldn't want to do everything we could to alleviate the suffering of our children? And if our children were were poor or homeless, wouldn't we go to them? Wouldn't we go to them and take care of them and try to help them? All right, Father. You've been serving the poor for 35 years. What's the biggest thing the poorest of the poor have taught you? Gratitude, dependence upon God. I mean, they, they know. I mean, we all live on the razor's edge, right? I mean, no matter how much money we have, a one illness or something can, can end can bring things to a screeching halt. The poor know that they're dependent upon God. The homeless know that 
God is the source of their blessings. And so they teach me that on a daily basis. I talked about Donald and how he would come in and say, I'm blessed and how he believed that no, no matter how cold or miserable his evening was. So they teach me to be grateful for the gifts, the bounty, the blessings of our lives and how, how dependent we are upon God as our source. All right. The name of the center is the Pope Francis Center. Speaking of which, what's the biggest thing Pope Francis, a fellow Jesuit, fellow Jesuit that's right. has taught you these last eight and a half years? I mean, for me, I think Francis has taught me kind of the importance of unconditional love and acceptance of people that that are our purpose, our mission is to follow Jesus in the world. And that means being with the poor and the marginalized. That means bringing unconditional love and acceptance to the, those who feel rejected and marginalized. It means that, you know, opening up our hearts more and more to the reality that we are all one people. We are all, we all share the same God, the same spirit, the same destiny. And so it's really important that we try to take that love, that healing, unconditional love out into the world to those who feel rejected and lost and suffering. Some people know that for the last 25 years, I've gone to people that I admire and asked them to write me their philosophy of life. And I have hundreds of these. Hmm. Well, somehow... I got Pope Francis to write me his philosophy of life. Very nice. Father, he's got to do something every day. So <laughs> I'd like to ask Mark Blackwell, our producer, if he would read that letter from Pope Francis. Dear Jack, my strategic plan for life is simple and straightforward. My purpose is to serve our Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength in whatever role he calls me. Without his constant grace and oversight, I'm nothing but a wayward sinner. At whatever level he calls me to serve him, my aim is to reach out in community with love to those in our society who are weakest and most in need. As a knowing sinner, I'm reassured continuously that his unfathomable love and mercy are the greatest gifts of life and my constant source of strength, reassurance, and guidance. Sincerely in Christ, Francis. Father, what does that letter say to you? You know, Jack, that that philosophy of life is really what I try to do in a world that, you know, that I am a sinner. Just we are all sinners. We are, you know, that's a Jesuit thing. We're sinners, but we're called that no matter how much we we fail at, at faithfulness and fidelity to the, our call to service and serving and loving the Lord, that we're still, we're still accepted and we're still called to care for those, to, to take our whole life, like, like he said, heart, soul, and mind and strength to, to serve the Lord in whatever station we have in life. That's, that's the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate destiny of this life. Um, Pope Francis has got a lot of famous quotes. One that he says regularly is, who am I to judge? All of us today are judging everybody. The, dis the, the, the animosity, the hatred, the lack of forgiveness. 
how can I learn not to be so judgmental? You know, I think it's right there in that letter, Jack, right? That to understand ourselves as sinners, to understand ourselves, that we carry our own burdens, our own imperfections, and to allow our suffering to, to be, become more compassionate and accepting of other people, the way they carry their crosses. You know, that it's a Greg Boyle statement. We don't, uh, we are in awe of the way people carry their crosses, but we don't judge them for the way they carry them. As our time winds down together tonight, would you lead us in a closing prayer, Father Tim? Sure. Thank you, Jack, for having me on. Lord, we thank you for this time that we were able to spend together um, exploring the ways in which you uh, are present and loving us in the world and the ways you call us to serve those who are poor and marginalized. We ask you, Lord, to, to bless us and bless all those who are struggling this day. And then we ask you to continue to send your spirit into our hearts and into our minds that we might know your most holy will and to carry that out in all that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for Father Tim and his team and all they do at the Pope Francis Center. Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Rasula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spoken. Believe in yourself.